before COVID came along, they were something most members of the general public didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about. Supply chains. Certainly from the perspective of just the term supply chain, you can see given uh, what's going on globally is something that's much more top of mind for folks who wouldn't normally be spending much time considering supply chains. But it's amazing how ubiquitous the term became, especially in the media, once things like toilet paper, food and electronics began to disappear from store shelves in the early days of the pandemic. Ordinary folks took a much greater interest in shipping breakdowns and bottlenecks, which turned into common topics of conversation and concern. Supply chain issues even became a boogeyman of sorts in the lead up to Christmas, with plenty of news reports suggesting some coveted gifts could be impossible to find or have delivered in time. But despite all the challenges and bad press the global shipping industry has endured over the past two years, those in the know understand that the tale of the supply chain is actually a good news story. After all, it may have been severely strained, but it never broke during either the first part of the pandemic or the surge that followed. And what's more, that chain is becoming more transparent and visible than ever, thanks to an unprecedented and tireless effort from ports, carriers, terminals, railways, and shippers around the world. Welcome back to Breaking Bottlenecks, a special insider's podcast series brought to you by the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. I'm your host, writer and historian Aaron Chapman. On this episode, we're going to dig into some complicated questions about supply chain resiliency, like is greater visibility even possible when companies sometimes have reservations about being too transparent? And how could greater supply chain visibility help a stressed or damaged system get back on track after times of trouble? Let's find out. Whether you're talking about visibility, which is what we see, or transparency, which is what we share, the concepts were virtually unknown just 15 years ago. Only in recent history has the integration of technology and data-informed decision-making really begun to pick up pace. Truth be told, the pandemic forced every link in the chain to go over the edge of innovation and take risks so their businesses could adapt more quickly to changing dynamics. It took a serious shakeup for everyone to loosen their grip so they could get a better one. But that shakeup hasn't been easy. For one thing, supply chains weren't really designed to be transparent. Historically, companies have been antsy about divulging too much for fear of undermining their competitive advantage. I think Peter Exotta, the Port of Vancouver's Vice President of Operations and Supply Chain, who we heard from briefly at the start of the episode, put it best. Let's just, you know, call it out, right? I mean, private companies in a private supply chain compete with one another for market share. That's the nature of the business. And frankly, probably it's the best structure that we could put in place because central control will will not work. Uh, people try in other, in other jurisdictions. So against that backdrop of an interest from private companies in protecting their proprietary and confidential information, we've been on this pathway for the last 10 to 15 years of trying to find that slice of information that we can aggregate and have them share with us that when played back to them and others in a manner in which it does not divulge those commercial sensitivities, we all come out ahead. And these are baby steps, often very carefully and slowly integrated into our reporting uh, paradigm, but it has 
proven to be successful. And I'd say it's a combination of the port having built a, a relationship and reputation for, for doing such things, for uh, those participants to see that, sitting back, protecting their information, but complaining uh, about some uh, issue that's not being resolved without being uh, prepared to step up and contribute to the dialogue means we, we, we're in a, a situation that could be unresolvable. What we've done in Canada, I think, aided by the Canadian government through Transport Canada and by the Port Authority taking the initiatives that we have, really starting to create a framework for people to come together more effectively and solve some problems. We'll catch up with Peter again in a bit. But first, I wanted to ask some of my other industry insiders how they feel about sharing potentially sensitive information with colleagues and competitors. Back in the offices of D.B. Schenker in downtown Vancouver, the company's vice president and head of ocean freight, Raymond Sang, told me he doesn't have a problem with the push for increased visibility whatsoever. For me, I do not see any reason why not being transparent. Because in today's environment, okay, everybody can go to Google. Everybody can go to all these uh, other uh, platforms, right, to be able to find the truth. So what we can help all the service providers or stakeholders in the supply chain is transparency. The more transparency, okay, the better for people to understand uh, what they are expecting. But do the rest of Raymond's colleagues and clients across the shipping industry share his way of thinking? I do truly hope that they would agree with me because at the end, why do they need to hide something? And then, for example, the blockchain, in order to make sure transparency is available from A to C. Okay, so I do hope all the other stakeholders would agree that uh, transparency is important. Ah, good. I'm glad he mentioned the blockchain because it also came up when I spoke with Grace Liang from OOCL Canada. She told me visibility has become a much bigger priority since the pandemic first hit. This is extremely important. You know, we, we ask ourselves, what have we learned? You know, what, what are we going to do, you know, particularly in our industry? Yes, there's certain explosive information is a little bit um, fragile or it becomes very sensitive. But however, when you look at it, you know, actually blockchain is one of the technology that provides, you know, the visibility of every single milestone of the cargo, of the goods, you know, of the entire supply chain. This is almost like needed for the future. I think we might not agree to it today, but I think, you know what, you don't want to fall behind. No company, no organizations want to fall behind. To move forward, you have to accept and you have to adapt. Absolutely. No one wants to stagnate, but is the industry accepting and adapting quickly enough? When it comes to the shipping industry, we, in the past, um, we were often criticized for falling behind in technology. But technology, in fact, has accelerated in a pace that we have never seen before. And subsequently, you know, it has actually also expedited the implementation of new initiatives. And then the other thing we talk about is the visibility. This is one of the most utmost importance, you know, for all the service providers as well as our customers or importers, exporters, you know. We are only one part of the supply chain ocean carrier. That's why when we talk about visibility, we allowed each of the stakeholders to better prepare themselves in advance, as well as to assist the partners, okay, downstream to manage the incoming and the ongoing shipments when it comes to visibility. Like we all said, you know, the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. 
One of the keys to success when, as Grace pointed out, a single weak link can disrupt everything, is being able to visualize the entire supply chain. That way you can identify and prioritize the risks facing every player at every stop along the way. It's also critical that any insights and information gleaned by one party are shared to keep the flow of goods moving here at Canada's busiest port. For example, if ocean carriers and railways aren't talking to each other about the potential hiccups they're seeing, the whole system could grind to a halt. Thankfully, CN Rail's Vice President of Intermodal Sales and Marketing, Dan Breslin, says they're well aware of the need for and benefits of increased visibility up and down the supply chain. I think having more transparency that way is, is a good thing. If there's a way, you know, the, the boxes that are loaded on a, on a vessel overseas, I believe that, you know, in many cases, they know that box is for Toronto and they know that that box is going to go through the port of Vancouver. And they know that the further we know that information out, the more we can plan for what's coming at us, being connected with the, the ocean carrier, the port operator, cargo owner being able to see visibility on their on their boxes. I think being able to plan at a port level on, on what box should get on the first train because it's needed in, in Toronto. What box can wait for the fourth train or get on a later train because it's not needed in land as early so you're not congesting your inland terminals. I think information across the entire spectrum, whether it's a customer watching their their, their freight move and their supply chain to port operators and railroads collaborating on, on car supply and, you know, products that the customers want. It's becoming more important than ever that, you know, the digitization of all this information is, is available for, for everybody to do a better job and uh, be able to produce more on the footprint that they've been provided. More important than ever. That's a phrase I've heard several times in discussing the push for greater supply chain resilience. It also came up when I was talking to Raymond Sang from DB Schenker about the increased need for information to help organizations improve their transparency. I think the demand or the requirement of data is even more than ever. How we communicate with our client is very much basing on data exchange or information, right? So what we truly need is the ocean carriers to provide very up-to-date information on the feeder vessel, the mother vessels, where are the ships at the moment, where is the containers. That is needed even more. Sometimes we experience a lot of, yes, they have the information, they have the data, but they are outdated. They're not updating them. It creates a lot of false hope and misleading to people expecting the arrival and also when are they going to promise to their own customers. So all this creates a major problem if the information is wrong. Somehow, no information better than wrong information. That is an interesting point. We live in an age of misinformation, disinformation, incomplete information, and the flow of data has been volatile as well, making it tricky to analyze and react in real time. Thanks to technology improvements, organizations are also able to access and disseminate more of the stuff than ever before. Grace Liang from OOCL agrees. The explosion of information can be a double-edged sword if it's not managed properly. The thing is, when it comes to data, um, wow, there's so much available in the world that you literally can, you know, immediately identify the weak points or the strengths. And then and try to, of course, most of the time, your focus is primarily on the, uh, on the weaknesses or any kind of hotspots, right? Then actually will allow any company to react to the situation sooner 
more proactive than reactive. Like you can try to mitigate the risk and you can minimize any kind of uh, uh, unfortunate incidents. Okay. And you can use data to improve. Okay. It's not just now, but for example, we talk about um, service integrity, service reliability. You can take precautionary measures and say, Oh, this is what's happening. There is a weather issues or there's a, a congestion issues. Then you can look at options and try to mitigate any kind of uh, disruptions. So the big question then, are we where we need to be when it comes to collecting and sharing accurate, timely data with everyone who needs it, regardless of their place along the supply chain? Dan Breslin from CN Rail says the tracks have been laid, so to speak, but the journey isn't over yet. Yeah, I think that we're, we're still got a, a little way to go. I think there's a lot of folks working on it, but I think still folks are working on that within their own silo because they have to prepare their systems first before they can connect on multiple platforms and talk to port operators or the ocean carriers or you know do different things provide electronic information we're spending a lot of time with our customers trying to build those types of products to give them that visibility on their on their box and where it is uh, within the rail network and uh, you know the the beauty of it will be is one day you'll trace your box, whether it's on the ocean carrier system or through some third party system, uh, or maybe even we're all connected and it can be on the port system or our system where you can watch it loaded in Shanghai and you can watch it do the last mile delivery in, in Toronto. I think everybody's working on it real hard. Uh, we got a little ways to go. The future may not be as far off as Dan thinks. It's worth pointing out the port's own app has almost 14,000 users, which proves there's an appetite for that kind of information. Port Van Ehub provides valuable insights into port operations, key supply chain metrics, and much more to help decision makers react in real time. In fact, I'm going to download it right now. After a quick break, I'll reveal the number one necessity for all players in the chain to ensure resilience going forward. You are listening to Breaking Bottlenecks Season 2, The Resilient Port, a special insider's podcast series brought to you by the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. I'm your host, Aaron Chapp. It's no secret the global supply chain has been severely tested over the past few years, but we're shining a spotlight on the ingenuity, agility, and yes, resilience displayed by Canada's largest port and its partners in the face of that incredible adversity. Check out the show notes to learn more about any of the guests featured on this episode. And if you like what you're hearing, please hit follow wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Before the break, I mentioned the Port Van eHub app. But that's only one way the Port of Vancouver is harnessing technology to improve transparency. Another project worth pointing out is the West Coast Supply Chain Visibility Program, which is aimed at getting 95% of all cargo that moves through the ports of Vancouver and Prince Rupert visible for planning purposes. It will be a single and comprehensive digital system of record for the entire Western Canadian supply chain, providing a consolidated end-to-end view of goods movement. Sounds impressive. But one fact that's impossible to ignore when we talk about projects like that is the need for collaboration. After all, the port is just one of many players in the shipping business, and individuals working independently with their own interests at heart could lead to chaos within the system. But Peter Exotta believes the port's approach of bringing stakeholders together and sharing issues and information openly is working. He says collaboration helps all parties move forward more efficiently, without getting bogged down by the usual questions when problems do arise. 
The first question is, what is happening? People will debate that because of that fragmentation and lack of uh, historical lack of transparency of information. Then the finger pointing starts about whose fault it is. And then ultimately on that <laughs> that, that progression of discussion, you get to, well, what are, what are we going to do to resolve this particular issue and ensure that it doesn't happen again? Having transparent data and a, and a toolkit of information that comes together uh, effectively that people believe is reasonably accurate, perhaps not perfect, but a good representation of the situation puts you in a position to jump to the second and third steps in that process much quicker. And I think, again, that is a pattern that is unfolding or has unfolded in the Port of Vancouver that is going to take nurturing and will continue to require us to build strong relationships and maintain strong relationships with participants. But it's paying dividends. Raymond Sang from DB Schenker agrees. Strong relationships are critical because some players are further down the road than others when it comes to data and information sharing. The people who have the hardware would have to work together with the people who do not have the hardware. Like, uh, for example, the ocean carrier, they have the hardware. CN, CP Rail, they have the hardware. So all these need to put it together to communicate. I think that would be the way to go. Everybody do their part so that we could convey all the data to our client so that they know how to manage their own supply chain and then know how to uh, sell their merchandise to the general market. But Raymond says there's also another key to building transparency, cold, hard cash. Well, it's a matter of investment, right? If the ocean carrier is willing to invest money on technology, obviously that would improve, okay? But if some of the carriers, they do not catch up to invest into that area, obviously would be the losers. Today, yes, okay, because capacity is important, doesn't matter if you're a good carrier or a reliable carrier or unreliable carrier, everybody will ship with them, right? But once this supply chain issue back to kind of normal, then obviously people will know which one to continue to work with and which one they may want to drop. Another unique challenge is building out infrastructure needed for the future without affecting the record volume of goods that's already moving today. To that end, the port has a number of efforts either underway or awaiting approval, including the Centrum expansion and the proposed Roberts Bank Terminal 2 project. When complete, the two-container terminal expansions would add a staggering 3 million TEUs of capacity. But those types of ambitious improvements don't just require support from the industry, communities, and local Indigenous stakeholders. They also need the federal government to get on board. And the Port's Peter Exotis says building that kind of consensus again boils down to making sure everyone has the same data in front of them. The essence of it is using that information to bring those various constituents together to seek federal support for those infrastructure improvements. So you identify the project, you talk to the related constituents, and by bringing those folks together and having them all agree, you can imagine the strength of that application becomes very high as a result of the collaboration, and the collaboration is built on that data and analysis and information that people have become accustomed to sharing over the last 10 years. In short, supply chain visibility works. Something that was once considered only of minor importance in the industry has now become one of its most valuable tools. Transparency builds trust. It helps stakeholders work together more effectively, and it increases the public's understanding of the supply chain and how it functions. And in times of trouble and uncertainty, like a global pandemic, one thing we could all use is a little more understanding. 
I hope you'll join us again next time when we're going to explore a different aspect of the pandemic's impact on the global shipping industry. 2020 may have been a record year for container shipping, but COVID brought the cruise sector to a total standstill. We'll find out how cruise ship companies are adapting to our new reality and what the future may hold. Please follow Breaking Bottlenecks wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about the port's operations, you can always visit portvancouver.com. I'm Aaron Chapman. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.